0: Welcome to the Tea and Biggie's podcast for Midsummer 2022. We have a very special guest today, the wonderful Midsummer's Karen Bright, the CEO of the festival. Welcome, Karen. Hi, can you please tell us about the fabulous midsummer launch
1: for 2022? Sure. Um yeah, we uh we launched our program on Monday the 22nd of November which um, launch is always an interesting word. It doesn't mean we actually started the festival. It's really when we announced the program. Um, and you know, we had a range of performers. We had lots of speakers. I was unveiling all the different shows that were going to be on offer. Um, we had a red carpet. Geraldine Quinn um, was interviewing people as they were arriving. And um, we had a whole lot of uh, supporters and guests live at the Malt House where we launched. But we also streamed live um, onto the internet as well so that anyone who wanted to hear about the event, Events could watch us online. Um, and now all of the events are live, online, being promoted as we sort of steam, you know, full steam ahead towards the festival opening in January.
0: Yeah, and I was there with my partner and we had a wonderful time oh. and um, I did oh, the, great. the red carpet photograph and um, she's a little bit shy. So <laughs> she just... <does laughs> <follow me. laughs> I just want to also now ask, like... Um, I feel as an artist and as a producer of a lot of events it, very empowered to be able to creatively express that Midsummer Festival. Um, and how is this, this so important um, to have art and culture festivals that are LGBTQIA focused and, and for us?
1: Yeah. Well, I start with why our festival is important, and I look, and, and why is the arts important? I guess because um, it all sort of streams from there. Um, you know, we've we've always, as people, when I say we, I mean people in general, um, we've always expressed things through the arts. And I take a very broad view of the arts. I mean, we've got so much. It's an arts and culture festival. There's so many different events involved in the festival, um, and and look, um, LGBTIQ artists have been running events and being involved in the arts from their own events right through to mainstream for, uh, you know, as long as there's been arts really. Um, And I guess for a long time, if you actually look back at the history of say um, classical music, for example, um, and the huge number of, uh, you know, incredibly renowned composers who were queer and, um, and often their music, you know, just scratch a little bit below the, the surface and you read stories about, those works being written for their same-sex partners and um, and uh, playwrights and directors and visual artists whose work reflected our themes but somehow that stuff was never written in the program notes and was never in the, the history books or in the museums and um but i think you know even today you know um LGBTIQ artists are often on the cutting edge, pushing art forms, telling stories, telling their stories. And so the why do we need a Midsummer Festival? Um, Well, Midsummer actually is a year-round organization, and we are focused on the development of LGBTIQ arts and culture. So we invest in the next generation of artists. Um, without whitewashing or or taking them out of the program notes Um, and, you know, and influencing what we hope will be the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years of of, uh, event leaders in our community, artists, event producers. And so um, that's all happening behind the scenes. And then the festival is that three weeks a year when we bring it all together. And that's about profiling our stories, telling our stories um, and and to a ever-increasing audience. It's not a festival where we're just telling and showcasing our work to ourselves. Um, We've worked really hard to make sure that, you know, we're inviting everybody to come and and see our work and see the work of our wonderful artists and producers. Um, We're trying to also get venues and institutions and other organisations to uh, to program um, LGBTIQ arts and events initially through our festival and then they can see that lots of people come and then hopefully they will do that all year round. So I think there's a whole range of reasons why it's very relevant and probably will always be relevant for an organisation like us um, to be championing the next generation of audiences and artists and stories and events um, and, you know, making sure that uh, those stories and voices are heard and work seen far and wide.
0: Very well put. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I just want to ask
0: about uh, just for you, like what international artists, when you have seen their their art or performance, visual art, theatre, music, has left you sort of with an empowering influence or stayed with you in a beautiful way? Just for you, kind of.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I guess that sort of thing is always a really personal thing, isn't it? Um, And I've been involved in the arts professionally since I was 16 so I'm lucky to have seen and experienced and work with so many different people so um you know it's certainly not just through one lens mm. um and um and certainly in the last few years because there hasn't been a lot of international work in the last few years um other than what we've seen online um but you know I I do have a very broad taste um, and maybe that has come from being working in venues where your audiences are everything so it can't be just your personal taste you've got to try and make sure that you're um, having the very best and exciting work for everyone for all ages for all art forms for all audiences and I guess that's developed for me a really broad palette of passions Um, I probably because my my background is as a performer. I've always lent more to performance and theatre and experiential. I was a circus performer as well. So, you know, those those big spectaculars. But um, but I have grown to be passionately committed to all art forms. The things that have stayed to me, you know, in terms of really resonated that I remember. So when you, you pose this question, a few things automatically pop up, you know, without, when, before you even think. I want to Netherlands called Camp, um, as in K A M P. It was from a company called Hotel Modern. Well, it was in an international festival. Oh, it would have been close to ten years ago, I think. Um, it it was a really like a, a very serious work. It was um, uh, it it was about the camps in Germany, um, but using little models and, and and it that it was just so moving and such important work. I think I've, I found myself thinking about that for years afterwards. Yeah. Um, and I think those sorts of things are really, um, you know, it, we, those things have a, a resonance beyond the enjoyment of one day. Um, there's a, um, a company um, from France called Group F um, that do big spectaculars and fireworks, and so that's the other side. And I saw them in a big football stadium, um, and it's kind of like visual visual arts in a theatre setting Um, and, you know, it's really interesting that probably two of the things that really first came into mind, one was really small and just so detailed and so intimate and then the other one was just this huge, um, you know, event spectacular. Um, So I guess that really shows, um, you know, I can be influenced and passionate about just about anything. Um, But, um, you know, I think for any one of us as artists, know the more we can see the more we can be exposed the more we influence our own work um the better yeah i agree (laughs) um
0: i I always like when i traveled to a few years ago to europe um we, we we looked me and my partner looked in a few galleries and it was it was it's always amazing to be overseas as well and experience stuff and um yeah and um I, I, the year that I'd been in this similar countries 10 years before and it was there was a bit of a difference in sort of the styles and the evolution of what was going on in the in the modern yeah. um contemporary visual arts scene um in Melbourne do you have like any sort of favorite kind of architectural buildings that sort of that you like to walk around or visit
1: or yeah look i um I don't have one style. Um, one of the things, and I'm, I'm not native to Melbourne, I moved to Melbourne five years ago um, from South Australia, although I'd worked frequently all around Australia. And one of the things I love about Melbourne is, in particularly in the CBD, is the richness of old buildings with incredible detail, not the things that you see when you're looking at eye level, but when you look yeah. up. Um, that, you know, there was some of that in South Australia, but nowhere near what the, the breadth the, that you see walking around um, The uh, Melbourne. Um, And then I love all the laneways rather than the architecture, just the the life and experience of what happens between some of the buildings in Melbourne. Um, And so I think they're the things that, you know, I, I am someone who loves walking around cities. So um, that they're the things that immediately leapt out to me in that probably the first you know, month or so of being in Melbourne and that I still love, you know, I, I, I'm a passionate photographer so I love to go into the city with my camera and just, you know, sneak around the laneways and see all the, you know, there's always something new to see.
0: Yeah. I remember um, sitting in just Bourke Street Mall one day and just waiting for a tram and I looked up at the, I think it's, I don't know if it was Zara or just around that big, just like near Maya. And there's there's a lot more detail yeah. on those buildings there actually. There's like stained glass on them, and I'd never seen that before. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, <laughs> I haven't seen that before. There's incredible
1: um, detail in our buildings. Yeah, yes.
0: um, and there's also that Gothic sort of semi-Gothic architecture um, mm. that's around as well in in, in Melbourne. There's quite a diversity of um, of uh, well, architectural sort of design. Uh, like
1: yeah. areas um, on display. Absolutely. And and you have to have that continual evolution that you spoke about earlier about Europe with the arts. Is It's the same with cities. You, you need that that mixture of the old and then the new and the new contemporary designers that are coming out in terms of architecture and public spaces and how yeah. people are going to use those spaces and that's what makes a vibrant city. Yeah,
0: and one sort of does also... Keep the facade often of old buildings and then build something modern behind it and i've always thought that's really brilliant you know um and uh yeah so i'm gonna go into is there sort of like a a city in the world that's drawn you back often in overseas or in australia where you've gone back um
1: yeah i love canada um and parts of canada and again it's probably the mixture of the old buildings also you know the most amazing um uh vistas in terms of landscapes because i also love i love buildings but i sometimes love just to get out in open space and um the one place i haven't been to that i really want to go to is mexico city um, and i think um that's the romance of car and festival and um culture and um that, that you see reflected in photos and films and um and uh, narrative around some of their amazing events. Um, but I, I haven't ever got there, sadly, and hopefully still will at some point.
0: Yeah, I know. It's just like I'm you know, hoping to go overseas too. Um I have had to cancel a few things for two years. But it's like, I don't uh,
1: think you're alone. There.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to go back to um, talking about the Carnival for Midsummer, and um, especially the because um we want to put our dog who's actually a chihuahua, which apparently comes from Mexico. Does
1: <laughs> it? She's a chihuahua
0: place in, in Mexico. I'm not sure how many generations in Australia she's been or whether she's uh, she's crossed the countries. I don't know how one asked her. So that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> um yeah, um, we would like to put her in the dog show. I think she's worthy of that. Um <laughs> she's just needs to know clothes um but anyway for people who are going to their first carnival um can you sort of say what some of the fabulous events and supportive sort
1: of um um supportive things that go on as well carnival midsummer carnival is our first day so um the festival runs for 22 days but carnival is their first day so it has that jewel thing in in that it's a big a big event that's important on on its own Um, but it's also a really great way for us to open the festival and promote the festival. So there's multiple stages at Carnival and a lot of the acts that are on the stage have shows in the festival. So it's a, you get a chance to maybe taste, explore a few of the artists that hopefully you might go, I really love that act. I'll mm. go and so. Um, and obviously that is is only there there's a lot of shows in the festival that don't really work on the carnival stage but the music some of the comedy those things work really well um, it's a very big outdoor site there's um you know usually close to 200 stalls and those stalls vary um from um uh, businesses promoting themselves most of them are probably more community-based lots of community organizations um with information promoting their services for a whole range of our diverse communities, a lot of colour and in the stalls precinct, um, and that, that area is always packed. People have a really good time just, I think, going around. There's lots of giveaways and things like that. Um, there's a lot of people who will just take up a spot, pick, you know, the idea of a picnic. They'll set up a picnic blanket, take a space and stay there, you know, all afternoon into the evening. Um, there's a lot of different uh, areas So apart from just the main stages there's sports precinct with a whole lot of our community sporting groups um grassroots sporting groups that are um uh, doing demos and promoting themselves for people to join um but there's also you know people can try things and um, meet people and see demos and um and so there's lots of those little precincts spread around it's just a I guess it's that sort of chill out event where there's lots of different entertainment, there's lots of different places throughout for you to wander through and do, so, you know, there's lots of food, um, uh, there's a bar there. Um, it's just, a, it's a, and as you mentioned, there's a dog show. Um, we're an arts festival. So when I first came to Midsummer, I did have to think, that doesn't really work. But then I found out how <laughs> popular it is. And right. you stand at the side of the stage during the dog show, and you can't see the end of the crowd. It's like the dog show starts and everybody comes from everywhere to watch it because it's, a fun, it's not your traditional, you know, formal dog show, it's best trick and best dressed and best lookalike. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, of course, over the lot of last few years, um, a lot of people have supposedly got new pets. So hopefully there will be lots of new dogs for people to show <laughs> off um, at Carnival on the 23rd of January.
0: Yeah. It's, I think, I have, like, really uh, very fond memories of um, going to the Carnival First. Um, yeah, for me, yeah, on a personal level as well as, and um, as well as just as a meeting people, partying, um, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I just want to go to talk about Melbourne Pride and um, how wonderful that is and can you can you tell us a bit about Melbourne Pride now? That's okay.
1: Yeah, so Melbourne Pride, initially Melbourne Pride wasn't supposed to be in the festival date. So Melbourne Pride is the event that the state government announced to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria. um so um, and that actually is in the year of that um, commemoration is this year twenty one. Um, COVID just meant that that event it's a street party it couldn't happen we couldn't get um, uh, obviously couldn't have for most of this year it was hopefully going to happen in December but um, the restrictions weren't able to lift fast enough to be able to do it for anything more than a small number of people and this is an event that's really important to to everyone in this state. And there's a a couple of different parts to it. So there actually is a whole lot of, there's 24 different regional projects that they're still happening now. Um, Some of those will like culminate in January and February, but some of them are happening now. People creating exhibitions and parties and uh, um, uh, someone's writing a theatre piece. And there's all these projects happening all across the state. And then on the 13th of February, which is the closing date of Midsummer, um, we're now doing the, the street party, which is in Gertrude and Smith Street in Fitzroy. Um, and uh, so, you know, the two streets will be closed. Again, there will be multiple stages. Um, you know, we'll be working a lot with a lot of shops, fronts that are, and shops that are in those precincts. So we'll get, even a number of them are going to have like little theatrettes in their shop fronts, oh, which gosh. will be lovely. And there's some green space on the side of the road. where there'll be some stalls and other things happening, um, and the lineup is just extraordinary. We're really excited about it. Um, and then there'll also be digital Melbourne Pride, so there'll be an online um, component, which is not a direct live stream because one of the worst things can be you know have you can't get somewhere and you have to try and watch it online, and you just wish you could be there because you can, you know you can't experience a street party completely online. So some of it there'll be some live crosses but a lot of it's a whole lot of a dedicated content and um, a lot of filming from all the regional projects. Um, So the digital version will also have that whole really statewide celebration. Um, So on the day, we hope people, um, as many people as possible, will be live in the streets, but hopefully they'll also be, you know, having a look at the device and seeing what's um, on offer online as well from all around Victoria. Yeah. But I, one of the things that I've been doing to sort of talk about it is that I think it's going to be history making in itself yeah. as well as being history celebrating.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much, Karen, for being on T and podcast for Midsummer 2022. Thank you. thank you.
1: And we look forward to everyone, you and, and all your friends coming along and sharing all the, there's 198 events at Midsummer next year.
0: K, T- um, this is K, this
1: is K, um,